Well, my friend, this is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Ryan Margolin. Ryan, are you ready to do this? I am, George. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the uh, to the chat. Yeah, excited to have you on. Ryan is the CEO of Professional Hair Labs, an international. He is an international business leader. He's a speaker and branding expert. Ryan, tell us a little about your personal life, some more about your work, why you yeah. do what you do. Uh, well. Why, why we do what we do is kind of a personal mission. My mother was a master hair technician. My dad was a business owner. They opened a hair replacement studio and through years of exposure to toxic products, my mother got chemical poisoning and ultimately that led her to early retirement and it transitioned the whole mission of what, you know, my dad was focused on to creating a safe, effective product line for technicians and hair wearers because it was the niche industry of non-surgical hair replacement. Uh, naturally, that then allowed us to take those same principles and methodologies and apply them to a larger range of uh, cosmetics. And we're carrying that mission through to what is now the uh, 27th year of the company. Uh, so that that's really what we're focused on is just making the industry the safest place it can be and making sure that the customers we have and the customers we don't have that come to know of us uh, know what we stand for and that we, uh, we always apply the safety first motto that we've lived by. Yeah, um, personally, um, I'm a you know I'm, I'm a father. Uh, I have three kids. Um, my wife is Irish. I live in Ireland, and um, you know frequently travel back and forth uh, to the states as we have a location there as well. So uh, look, it's um yeah, it, it's pretty busy life, but uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, I appreciate all that. So when we look at uh, at, at we're, we're, we're walking through the store and looking at all these products on the shelves, all these beauty products, cosmetic products. Seven years ago, 10 years ago, what what percentage were unsafe? Well, that's a that's a really good question. So it depends on the country you look in. I mean, if you look at you know the EU regulations versus the US regulations, the US would be much less regulated than the EU. So a lot uh, through a lot of testing and experiments and trials over the years, um, you know, certain governing bodies would deem certain ingredients to be unsafe, um, and then they would ban them after a certain period of time. So if you look at even the US and the EU, for example, you know, there, there's there's only about as far as my knowledge goes, I could be wrong, it's 30 plus products that are or ingredients that are banned for use in cosmetics, whereas EU have over 300. Um, so it's uh, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're detrimental to your health. It just means through uh, safety and testing procedures that they've done, they are not confident that they're as safe as they can be. And then over the years, new ingredients are developed that would be safer for skin and, and, and uh, much less um much, I suppose, much much less to- toxic for the environment as well. So uh, we always um, we always kind of adhere to the EU regulation side of things, even when we're formulating, uh, because we know that usually if we follow those rules, uh, no matter where we export to in the world, uh, there will be uh, very little trouble in the future with those ingredients. Got it. It's always fascinating to to be able to learn, you know, th- those 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 numbers right there. I had no idea. So as you are are formulating your own products and i know that part of what you do is you also help other people who want to formulate products do that where does a lot of that happen 
so we decided to base our principal manufacturing facility in Ireland, um, in, in, in Europe, simply because uh, it's, uh, it's a great place to get the supports and the uh, networks uh, with manufacturers to, to acquire ingredients. Uh, we have a distribution and warehousing facility in Zephyr Hills in Florida, um, which ultimately will long-term uh, be a manufacturing facility as well. Uh, but we 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 made the the you know the decision to to manufacture in Europe uh, at the beginning, so we could make sure that we had the processes right and the best they can be, really, and that we're always adhering to our GMP uh, requirements, which are the good manufacturing practices. Uh, that comes with its own ISO cert. So typically when people look to do business with manufacturers, it's really the first thing they should be asking, you know, do they have a GMP certification, which shows that they adhere to the the strictest rules that are, that are um, required in the industry. Yeah, that, 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 that makes sense. So when somebody reaches out and says, Hey, Ryan, I am an entrepreneur. I want to make, uh, make a new skin cream. Do you say that's crazy? We already have enough skin cream. There's no way that you'll be able to break into the market. Absolutely not. Because I think the beautiful thing about the day and age we live in is that no matter whether you're a company that's doing hundreds of billions of dollars a year or millions of dollars a year, or whether you're you know a small company or a starter that is aiming to do a hundred grand a year, there is always an angle if your product has a good USP and with the different types of experiments that you can undertake when custom formulating, um, you know, you can always manufacture a product that's a little bit different to something in the marketplace at the moment. So uh, if anyone was ever looking to start in that industry, I would say, um, don't be afraid of it. Uh, be prepared to put in the work, but it is always possible. So be prepared. That was something I was really curious about and still am. Uh, <laughs> is it's 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 obviously it's going to take hard work in the form of energy and time, but I need to have a good idea so that unique selling proposition, I need to have money. Yeah. So it's all of those things. Some are more important than others. Yeah, and you know there's also the other side is that um you know look you have to accept the fact that it, no matter how good your idea is or how original it might be, the moment it gains any sort of traction or popularity, uh, there are going to be counterfeiters that come right behind it and try to knock it off and sell a subpar product uh, with the same packaging and branding that you have. So IP protection is, uh, is part of that preparation. And the unfortunate part about it is that it does take a little bit of money to get that right at the beginning. You could be talking three to $4,000, but it will be like hand over fist, the best money you've ever spent because uh, it's never a problem until it's a problem. And when it is a problem, it's usually too late to do something about it without uh, severe damage being done to your brand. I've seen it happen firsthand. It's happened to ours. Um, it's happened to other private label clients we've had. And uh, it is really the one of the key starting points I always recommend to look at when you're undertaking before you share a single piece of information with anyone, you make sure you have your trademarks in place. Not surprising, but uh, but somewhat shocking or startling that you're going to all of a sudden see your product, even though it's not your product. Somebody's actually ripped off the entire thing. That's crazy. It is. And you know what? It's when you don't have the experience in it, it's you can be quite unassuming in the process. You know, I remember when the first counterfeit um, listing that I saw of our brand seven years ago or six years ago came up, I was like, I felt hurt over it. It was one listing 
it was on AliExpress and um, I, I was actually quite emotional over it because it kind of challenged the the core of everything that we do and why we do it. So um, realizing that we didn't have the right protection in place, uh, that snowballed into 30 listings, into 300 listings uh, to the point where we were losing uh, on average about $5 million a year in sales globally uh, due to counterfeits. And that's only on one product. So uh, it could, you know, it, it doesn't start big, but it quickly snowballs very fast unless you have the right um, measures in place to protect and um, look at, I, I think that's the key about not being afraid to ask questions because there are people in the industry who are willing to share the information. Um, it's just, you know, making sure you have the right network of people around you and ask the right questions to, to protect yourself and having someone to go to in times where you don't know what to do is always a, a huge benefit as well. So I would always say, um, you know, the three key things is, you know, make sure you, you plan your product right. You know very clearly how you want it to differ from the rest of the products in the market. And just make sure that you have the right um, IP strategy in place. And when I say IP strategy, it's really simple. I mean, just make sure my, if someone were to ask me today, hey, Ryan, um, where would be the key countries that I would focus on um, uh, trademarking your your brand or your product uh, before you start? And I would say US, European uh, Union, and China. And once you get those three out of the way, um, you're yeah you're you're protected pretty well to start with got it okay that was that was what i was curious about is what is the enforcement mechanism so in order for me to if um if somebody in the european union is is ripping my product off and selling it but i've trademarked it there i can contact the authorities in the european union and they will help me to stop that yeah, there's a few different aspects you can do. I mean, there's kind of AFA border patrol, which is, you know, if, if somebody from, let's say, China tries to export their product into your product into Europe um, and, you know, the AF, you know, they, they catch it at, at customs, they will seize it. Um, it's most times they're a little bit more clever than that. It's highly unlikely. They'll usually send it in unbranded and you'll have someone inside of the country upon receival that will brand the bottle or the, the packaging up. Um, but the other side of it is just having a good trademark attorney that really gives you almost like a cookie, uh, sorry, a cookie cutter template that you can roll out very easily to let people know, hey, I'm watching. Here's the cease and desist letter. If you don't stop right now, um, you know we will enforce our, our trademark rights. Uh, what we find is that most people do ignore that first letter. So the unfortunate part about it is, is when you get to that point where somebody's copywriting you, or sorry, copy um, uh, uh, when they're infringing on your trademark. Um, it's usually at the point where your business is doing enough revenue to, uh, to enforce it. Got it. So you go through the entire exercise of creating something from scratch and then making it successful. And now I need to spend all my energy fighting the people who are trying to rip me off. Yep. That that's, that's about right. You know, I mean, the, when you get past the emotional part of it, I, I, I think, you know, you can, you can find the, uh, it's it's kind of um uh, it's more like a compliment that you have something there worth uh you know worth ripping off but uh it never yeah it's never really that simple at the beginning you kind of have to train yourself to to look at it from as a perspective of look these are people who do this to make a quick dollar beauty business is a huge business uh very profitable uh if you have a big brand um but uh you know look this is just part of their business. And just as much as it's part of your business, it's your job to stop them. And it's about learning enough to know where to go and how quickly to move in order to enforce. When when you think about um, beauty entrepreneurs, 
and somebody is thinking to themselves, I really want to create my own line. I, I, I have my selling proposition versus I'm an entrepreneurial person. Maybe beauty is something that 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 I should get into. What do you do you understand yeah. sort of the question I'm asking? Oh, absolutely. You no, know, and I, I do think there's you know principles of a general entrepreneur who has the ability to move in any direction. Uh, you know, in any industry that they want to and apply the same knowledge that they have to learn more about the chosen industry. Um, in fact, what you'll find is that a lot of the older, bigger beauty distributors, they would have history in the industry, but more so now than ever, uh, we're seeing a lot of the private label clients we'll work with, uh, you know, starting new brands coming out of, you know, uh, fine. let's say they, they were in finance for years and they decided, look, I'm done with this. I don't, you know, they were working in a bank or, in some other in or some some other aspect of the industry, and they and they turn and they say, "Oh, I I really have a passion for beauty, and I want to start a beauty brand." And I've seen them be hugely successful. Um, you know, we we have quite a lot of private label clients who have come from all sorts of different uh, backgrounds that have uh, that have really created a, a successful brand. And really, what it all comes down to is that um, you know we live in a day and age where social media is is key. You know, they just leverage the platforms right and uh they get you know exposure for the brand they make zero to no money in year one um in fact if you know they, they usually pump all their savings into it and, and have a loss in year one but what happens is is they're building up their customer list and uh you know once once you have that direct point of contact to actually offer something of value to to your previous customers if they've chosen to buy from you to try the product then you know, you start to build a very viable business. Then um, you you start to leverage the likes of Amazon or you know, dare I say, eBay. It's not really my preferred platform at all. It's 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 a minefield. But um, you know, look that there's means and ways to be really clever. You know, and and we we've um, you know we've done that in the past, and and it's really helped us build our own customer list. You know, look, it's data protection is everything, and you know, you're you're provided with a certain amount of data when you when you acquire a customer, even if it's on a third party platform. But if you really think about it, there are means and ways to convert that customer, even if you don't have their contact details. You just have to think a little bit outside the box on how to reach them. And uh, it is possible. So that is one of the keys is I need to have an email list of, of, of my customers. These are people that are already obviously aware of the brand because they purchased from me. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, you know, there was even times, you know, you can make it really enticing. You know, I, I love the self-liquidated offer at the SLO, uh, you know, where you you offer a free product, uh, you know, with uh, with shipping charged. And uh, that basically liquidates your, your cost of product and, and shipping. And then, you know, customer gets a free product. You have an email address and a direct point of contact. So uh, you, you just have to be prepared to, to you know, to, to grind it out for a little while uh, in order to, to, to build uh, a viable email list. I mean, if you've got a product that you know is right, um, you, you, you can make that happen. You know, you, you can make it happen. I, I don't think there's the beauty industry is such a huge industry that there's room for so many more brands and people. I mean, they're popping up all the time. And, um, you know, the ones who remain the longest are the ones who continue to innovate. And if you're not a manufacturer, you really want to make sure you do pair with a manufacturer that does like to push the boundaries of innovation because then they can offer you new solutions 
that maybe you haven't thought of yourself, you know, and that's the beauty about having off the shelf formulations. You know, you have the manufacturers such as ourselves doing all, you know, the trials and testing. We have the base formula there and slight adjustments can then be made and you have a viable product to push into your line uh, with very little um, investment then, you know, because uh, all, all of the testing and the development has been done essentially for you. What's a great example of that? Um, in terms of a product? Yeah, if I already have uh, an existing and then... Yeah, yeah. So so I'll, I'll tell you something that, that we've launched to the market. Well, we, we're launching to the market at the moment is a, a bee venom serum. So basically what it does is that it, um, it provides the effects of Botox without you know, getting Botox. So the serum itself has a, has a small amount of bee venom, which is, um, acquired through, uh, you know, friendly, um, uh, sources there, there, there's no, there's no animal harming whatsoever. Uh, and that was actually challenging enough in itself, you know, to try to find, um, farms that would, you know, uh, that, that would be able to extract this venom without, without harming the, you know, the bee. So, uh, we developed that product and, uh, we have the ability to make a lot of small little adjustments that differ it from brand to brand. Uh, but the moment we reached out to certain customers and was like, listen, we have this product here. It's, uh, it, it's very good. Uh, they acquired some samples to test it. And, um, that, that's how that happens, you know, and, and we can then take the, the beauty about it is, is then we can then take what's a 12 week custom formulation process for the customer. If they approach us for something new, we can bring that down to four weeks because we have the product already there. The only thing we need to do is figure out what packaging and, 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 uh, fulfillment plan that we need for it. And, and, you know, that's predicated around quantity. So, there's a lot of ways to to make things happen in, in the beauty game, especially around manufacturing. And it, and it really depends on what the customer wants in the end. So many different things to, to think about and consider. I hadn't really thought about the packaging, but that has to be, that's such a huge thing. Obviously, we all are familiar with certain products that like my iPhone comes in this amazing packaging versus some other products. So, exactly. I mean, it's the experience. And, and that's what it comes down to. You know, you have some brands that, you know, they want cheap and cheerful and they want to push large volumes. And then you have more premium brand brands that are willing to sacrifice the volume for a better experience. And, uh, you know, they might sell a little bit less, but there might be a little bit more profit margin in it. Uh, so look, there's a lot of different ways to, to make it happen. And this is all part of the process. It, is that part of the process you help people through also? Yeah. So one of the key things that I am um, very focused on is making sure that whether you're somebody new coming into the industry or whether you uh, you have years of experience, that we are literally a one-stop shop. Um, if you want us to come in and make products for you and supply them with your labels on it, and we'll send it out to you, no problem. But if you really want to dig deep and, and build a brand from scratch, we can also do that in-house for you as well. Uh, you know, we, we have a really good, um, really, really solid level of resource internally to make that happen, whichever way you want it to work. So it doesn't matter what's needed. We, we can help. And I think one of the things that really where, where, uh, beauty brands get caught is that they don't really have the support or they're not given the knowledge of where to go to, um, to make sure their products are not only compliant, but that they can register them correctly. Um, we also do that in house as well as a service. So you're literally getting a product, uh, delivered to you if you want that, that is ready to go and, uh, meets all compliance requirements. Love it. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage for uh, 
for entrepreneurs out there, would-be entrepreneurs who are interested in learning more about what we've been talking about? Yeah. How do we do that? Um, so look, I, I, my hangout is LinkedIn. Uh, I can be uh, connected with on there at any time. Uh, our website is prohairlabs.com. Uh, so that, that gives kind of more information about our services. And, uh, you know, we're on, on all other social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, so, you know, you, you just do a quick search for us and you'll find us. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Ryan your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to prohairlabs.com and find Ryan on LinkedIn. It's Ryan Margolin, M-A-R-G-O-L-I-N. I'll link all of those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Ryan. Thanks, George. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.